I would rather be getting gangbanged by Easy E, Magic Johnson, and that monkey from Outbreak right now than think about what all this means to me. I would rather be staring down the 20 barrels of big black dildos wrapped in 24 grit sandpaper than staring at what my monitor is showing me right now. I would rather be sitting down at brunch across the table from Kathy just took a sledgehammer made out of shit to my entire fucking life Hammond right now. I'm looking at what a tulpa exactly is, and it's scaring me. Tulpa is what I heard the cops say after talking to my boss. Tulpa is what I typed into my search engine. Tulpa was the Molotov cocktail Kathy, the opposite of a fireman Hammond, threw at me to burn down my entire life in five letters. Tulpas are imaginary friends. Well, they are more than that. The actual person can spend so much time and energy on creating a fake person that the imagined person becomes real. Real body, real feelings, really real. The creator-type person builds their tulpa in a further imaginary world called a wonderland, a place where the tulpa can learn and live and grow. The creator can commune with the tulpa like some kind of fucked-up psychic Skype. If the tulpa becomes too aware, it is the creator's responsibility to destroy it. Think about it. It would be like having to pull the trigger after you birthed and raised Old Yeller. Or a baby or whatever it is you don't want to shoot in the face to death. So, now you've spent all this time raising a thing, and when it's all, I love you, mommy, you have to take it out back behind the imaginary shed and imaginary fucking kill it. Tulpas tend to reflect something of the creator. Either it galvanizes some positive aspect or distortedly embodies a negative one. So, really, some people are just running around making angels and demons, and odds are, not one of them is starting out with angels. So, and let this sink in, there are brothers, sisters, sons, and daughters that are all made up, roaming around the real world. Their creators know it, and just let it happen. I'm sure some of them are perfectly nice people. Well, not people, exactly, but you know what I mean. You know them, you love them, you may have eaten in one of their restaurants. It's famous cannibals, where are they now? That's right, once ostracized and incarcerated, these men and women who prefer to dine on the flesh of their fellow contemporaries are now held in such lofty esteem in the culinary circuits and for their innate and unyielding dedication to renting overpopulation. Indeed, Carol. And while some of them have parlayed their inventive tastes into media empires like Drew Myers, award-winning chef of New York City's Chew Bistro, and best-selling author of Red or White, The Wines and Body Parts Pairing Guide. But there are others that shied away from fame or found it not to their specific palates. That's right again. Years ago, after the killing and dismembering of 12 husbands, Samantha Abrams became a worldwide sensation when her infamous murder cookbook got leaked to the internet. Before that, people leaders were looked down upon and were generally considered pariahs. But Samantha changed all that. She cultivated a charismatic persona and a falling that not only led to an acquittal, but led to her launching an immensely popular chain of restaurants coast to coast domestically. But the demanding pressure to create new and inspiring recipes without her most important ingredient... Murder. 
Yes, Carol, murder. But without a fatal and blood-soaked testing bed, Samantha quickly spiraled down into a deep-seated depression without the rush of killing and cooking someone, seasoned to delicious perfection. That's right. While her successful eateries continued on without her, Samantha Abrams drew back from the spotlight and settled down in a modest neighborhood in Santa Fe. Rumor has it, she even found a new love and is soon tying the knot for, hopefully, Lucky 13. And who knows, maybe she'll find a new muse with her new bow and will finally get some new Tex-Mex-infused dishes at Maneaters. Sounds yummy. Statistically speaking, some of these real imaginary friends go to work, pay their bills, maybe donate old clothes to the Salvation Horde. But the odds are some of them are total assholes. Some of these little garbage people are made of metaphorical garbage. That's what worries me. I know I'm not a good person. I'm not a good real person, let alone a fake one. Who in their right mind would unleash someone like me? I think of my less than stellar existence, punctuated by bouts of, I want to think, completely justifiable murder, dulcet comes like my one and a half dads, and the constant inferno of hate dedicated to Kathy. Why the fuck is she staring at me right now, Hammond? Why would anyone create, and worse, let loose a cubicle drone haunted by a dog who kills people to protect a woman worthy of only my wrath? I don't need to worry about any of this. What's assaulting my eyes, my mind, my every fiber of being shouldn't concern me. I know the cops said it, but cops always say words that never bother me. Words like admissible, motive, or subpoena. Once again, I think of Sam's final secret, and I feel the breath I didn't know I was desperately holding in me escape with a title release. I don't even know why I'm looking this shit up. I don't deserve the hell I'm putting myself through. Really, there's no reason for it. If I was some worked up, sex-starved, conservative soccer mom, I would blame violent video games and rap music. Air fucking go, there's a bunch of fucked up fuck-ups running around due to some supposedly enlightened people's irresponsibility. Oh no, I can't kill a bug because that would screw my chance of achieving nirvana. But hey, I made a person made of emotional shit, and I couldn't possibly clean up my own psychic mess. Dog fuckers, a lot of them. I mean, karmically, they probably wouldn't literally screw the pooch, but come on, they couldn't be that high and mighty doing all of this. Oh yeah, tulpas don't have to be human either. People can project tulpas into inanimate objects, for example. So there's not only some fictitiously really real assholes around, but asshole dogs, knives, insurance adjusters, Taylor Swift vinyls, and squirrels too. Does Shinebright know about this? What department would even handle this? Thought crimes? Physical malware? Will those police detectives from earlier even report this? I mean, I'm willing to kill anyone who gets in my way to utterly destroy Kathy. Just goddamn wait for it, Hammond. But methodically slaughtering and disposing of those cops' bodies? If I get caught, those tickets carry some hefty fines. So, potential serial killing spree aside, what does this all mean for me? 
To answer that, I have to tell you what an internet search couldn't tell me, what the cops can't tell me, and what Shinebright human and inhuman resources wouldn't tell me. Only one person could clue me into those world-shattering three words. That one person is Kathy, quiet as a church mouse, told me over the wall of my cubicle Hammond. She padded up into my personal space, using the metal partition as a shield to drop those three words she couldn't stand to send in an email. Those three words that have brought tears to her perfectly almond-shaped eyes, brimming with brilliant emerald flecked with chocolate diamond. Those sterling, piercing eyes, plastic wrapped in a sheen of sympathy that I couldn't tell if it was for her or I. Those eyes swollen softly to bursting as those three words tiptoed past pert lips. Those words seemed almost afraid of upsetting her perfect features. Too fucking late. Her chest heaved and caught, her breath so sharp, so jagged, it pierced her lungs like meat hooks. Her designer blouse clung modestly to her, making me think of foam on a powerfully roiling ocean wave. It seemed this exchange pained her, and that brought me a fleeting comfort before she spoke. I wish she would have kept her perfection on the other side of the office and kept her fucking pristine mouth shut. I wish I could go back in time and stop Kathy, she's the juggernaut bitch, Hammond from obliterating my life. She finally shores up the recycled air-conditioned breath needed to eke out those three little words. You're my tulpa. Yeah, I'm her fucking tulpa. And suddenly, I'm very pissed off. I Hate Kathy Hammond is written by Douglas Allen and co-produced by Kate Pumplin and Douglas Allen. It features the voice talents of Douglas Allen, Kate Archuleta, Kate Pumplin, and Christy Wolf. For more information, please visit us at www.bacnpodcast.com. And if you like what you hear, check out our other shows like Black Falls, Nerd Vomit, and Fear Agents.